0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Well, the Jets are trying to get things done. They're certainly going about it the right way. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We are in for Greeny today, presented by Progressive Insurance. Christopher Arthur Canty, good morning. What's going on, big fella? Oh, not a lot. Not a lot. Other than the fact that the Jets and the uh, Green Bay Packers, I would think, have to be getting at least a little bit closer based on what the Jets did yesterday, or at least the Jets are trying to position themselves. As and such.
2: it sounds like I'm getting closer to a free meal on you oh I, that's what it see, sounds like i actually think that's what it sounds like i actually think it's the exact opposite okay here we go! Go, go
0: only one place to start i made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the new york jets do you envision yourself playing multiple years with the jets or is it just a one-year type thing be adults settle it clearly keep the kids in mind and move on
1: One place to start brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Canty, yesterday, in case people missed it, the Jets made a trade with the Cleveland Browns, and that trade was sending Elijah Moore, their third-year wide receiver, to the Browns, along with a third-round pick in this year's draft for a second-round pick in this year's draft. So the Jets... Now own the 42nd and 43rd picks in this draft, in addition to their first-round pick, and the thought all along here is simply loading yourself up with more options to trade away for Aaron Rodgers when this inevitable deal happens. Can't he? Two, th- two second-round picks right now, 42 and 43. They've got another one at 45 already. The Packers do. This is a lock, stock, and barrel, easy deal for the Jets to make, and I think more than a fair deal for the Green Bay Packers. Right now, I will happily give you back-to-back second-round picks to get the Aaron Rodgers deal done.
2: Absolutely. If you look at the draft value trade chart, you're talking about those two picks, 42 and 43 overall, amounting to 950 points which is the equivalent of the 17th overall pick, which is which is going to be held by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, I mean, think about that. That's what you're talking about, essentially a first-round pick, and that's the compensation that I thought would be going back to Green Bay for a player as consequential as Aaron Rodgers would be to the Jets' franchise fortune. So I just think it makes a lot of sense if you're Green Bay to pick that hill to die on to make sure that you get multiple premium picks. If you end up getting two second-round picks in this year's draft – those are two players that could essentially help Jordan Love or if you see need to be, you could actually package those picks to move back into the first round and get yourself a, a player that might be a better fit in terms of fitting a specific need. So I, I like the idea that the Jets are moving closer to where the Packers want to be in terms of compensation and now we're looking closer we're getting closer to a deal actually being done.
1: And I don't believe the Jets would have wanted to trade Elijah Moore in the first no, place. No, they didn't want to trade Elijah no. Moore. No, and they
2: didn't. Well, think about it. The league told us what they thought about the two players. Yep. Nicole Hardman was there to be had in the second full week of free agency on a one-year $6.5 million deal. The Cleveland Browns gave up a premium pick, a second-round pick yep. for Elijah Moore. Now, think about this. These same Cleveland Browns were the ones that gave up a fifth-round pick a year ago for Amari Cooper. Yep. So that gives you a little bit of insight into what they believe Elijah Moore can develop into. And it's probably the same promise that the Jets saw at Elijah Moore, which is why they didn't want to trade him when he had that trade demand in the middle of last season. So I, I just this was not a decision that the Jets wanted to come to with Elijah Moore, but it's a decision that they had to make in order to secure their franchise quarterback sooner rather than later.
1: Here's Adam Schefter, his thoughts on what this all means in this trade.
0: What that does do is it doesn't sweeten the Jets' offer for Aaron Rodgers to Green Bay, but it does give the Jets added flexibility to try to attack this in a variety of ways to see if the two sides, which haven't spoken much this week, can figure out a solution that ultimately would end up with Aaron Rodgers in New York as the Jets quarterback.
1: Here's where the problem lies for me. Uh, If we remember, Elijah Moore... Uh, requested a trade back middle of the season. They yep. calmed him down after that, and it kind of settled. And did, frankly, did they calm him down, or did they just sit him down? A little they bit. Just, of both. They
2: just sat him down. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, yes, they, they did. sat him down. Yes, they did. But yeah. I, I, you didn't hear much more about it the rest of the season because he wanted to get what he wanted to. Well, he wanted to play and to get moved exactly. Yeah. But. You can't tell me that he wouldn't have been excited at the prospect of trying to play with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, now he gets to Sean Watson. Okay, we'll see. You would expect that Watson would be better this year. But Canty, this is such a good move for me because it's not your offer right now. It's not the Jets say, here's our two second-round picks. Let's do it. It's giving myself as many picks as I can that are of the premium variety that will not make me give up, let's say, a two this year, and a conditional one next year. If I'm the Jets, and I know how you feel about this, I do not want to trade the number one this year, or frankly, even the number one next year. And the reason being is, if this all implodes on me with Aaron Rodgers for next year, I want to make sure that I have a nice insurance policy in that first round next year. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if they had to trade the 13th pick this year to get it done... I I guess it's acceptable, but it wouldn't be any more than that. But I have to do everything I can to avoid that. So two second round picks, and I, I don't pick for two rounds this year in the second and third round. I can deal with that. I got my guy, and I have a premium pick this year, a first-round pick that's going to get me a top 15 player. Well, the
2: Jets need the number 13 overall pick. They've got to get tackle help. They've got to ins- re- re- you know, shore up that offensive line, and we don't know what's going to happen with Makai Beckton. We don't know what's going to happen with DeBrain Brown, who stepped in for them and, and played well last year, even in his advanced age. Like, They're going to need an influx of young talent at that position group and right around that spot in the first round is when we're anticipating a run on tackles. Of course, Skronsky from Northwestern—he's expected to go, you know, late in the top ten, maybe in the early teens. So we'll see exactly where the Jets fall with that. I think in the latest mock, Mel Kuiper Jr. had Broderick Jones, the tackle from um, from Alabama, I believe, going to uh, was it Al- to the Jets to the yeah, Jets 13. to the Jets. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, so that's the situation right now. I think. If you're the Jets, you want to make sure that you have as much help for Aaron Rodgers, similar to what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did when they acquired Tom Brady. Remember, they used a pick in the teens on an offensive tackle, ended up being an all-pro in Tristan Wurfs. That's what you need to do in order to try to make a run at this thing over you know, the next year to two years. I, I think going after an offensive lineman in that spot – is is important in terms of making sure that you get the best version of Aaron Rodgers, and that's why the Jets made this move to trade Elijah Moore, to give them more ammunition to try to make a deal that doesn't include number 13. If you're the
1: Packers, and you
2: kind of hinted at it already, is two second-round picks enough? It should be. I mean, how do you turn down two second-round picks in this year's draft Two players that could potentially help Jordan Love or even packaging them, moving back in the first round and getting... A, a better player to help Jordan Love this year. I, I don't know how you pass on the prospects of that. Like, you have to do that. One thing to keep in mind, this is a tight end heavy draft this year. I mean, they're anticipating several tight ends going in the first round. Maybe it's a situation because Robert Tanya left in free agency that the Green Bay Packers take those two twos from the New York Jets, move back in, get a guy that can control the middle of the field at the tight end position to go along with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, a guy that would help Jordan Love. I, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Those are the things you have to think about if you're Brian Gutekunst. I don't know how you stare down the barrel of two second-round picks and you turn that down. Again, I said it was going to take multiple premium picks. I thought a first-round would be included. But in looking at the value of two second-rounders this year and what that equates to on the draft value trade chart, that's a move that Green Bay would have to take.
1: All right. The, bringing in McCole Hardman is just such a low-risk move. Yeah. There, there's, your, as you said, one year, $6.5 million. I, I have always felt that McColl Hardman was more of a product of Patrick Mahomes. Sure. So let's see what it's going to be from here on with Rodgers. I'm not sure exactly how he will fit there. Marquez valdez scandling went from Green Bay to Kansas City, and it wasn't great this year. Sure. I don't think it was as good as they expected it to be. How does Hardman fit here with the Jets?
2: Well, I think you can use Hardman in a lot of the same ways that they use Elijah Moore. You can run him on jet sweeps. Um, I think he brings you a lot of value in the kicking game as Mm. a kickoff returner and a punt returner. Gives them some juice on special teams, which the Jets need. And he's a vertical speed element. So if nothing else, the guy can run in a straight line really, Get really fast, fast. guys. Exactly. Get and fast guys. If he guys. can take the top off of the defense, then that gives other receivers like Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson more room to work. The one thing that I do think is interesting about this move, and if you look at what Rich Samiti tweeted out yesterday, our very own Rich Samiti that covers the Jets, uh, for ESPN, he said that OBJ is not necessarily off the table. As a matter of fact, OBJ is very much still in play for the New York Jets. Of course he is. Yeah. So I think that I mean that's a guy that Aaron Rodgers would like to play with, and I didn't see anything that happened yesterday that would preclude the Jets from continuing to go down that road. But
1: there were never any demands made. (laughs) Kinty, I don't know how you can feel better about your position in this bet after the Jets made that trade. To me... I felt great. Okay, another second round pick. Number mm. one, not going anywhere. Big fella's gonna eat
2: big. So, if they do trade the two twos and the Packers trade back into the first round with those two twos, does that count as a first round pick? No, absolutely How not. How does it not count?
1: Absolutely the not. The value no, of no, it is no, the no, equivalent no, no. of
2: a first round. No, no, no. We're
1: not. We're not going to settle this bet by going to Jimmy Johnson's draft uh, point value chart. Uh, okay. In case you don't know, Canty and I have a wager. I bet. Canty, that the Jets would not give up a first-round pick in this trade. And he, uh, in turn, says they will. Uh, The loser has to buy dinner for the four of us, us and our two wives. And it's at a place that Canty picked very confidently. Yes. That when I went online to look at the menu, it is in Lincoln Center in the middle of Manhattan and there are no prices by the food. I mean, Bubba, if somebody is making you that kind of a bet, and there are no prices by the food, you had better win that bet. Am I accurate with that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you better watch out. That is, uh, I mean... It's going to be a great great time, though. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be phenomenal th- they're time. not the going to hesitate to tell you if the appetizer's 8 bucks. <laughs> put it that way. Mm. That's, that's not going to be a point. problem to put it up on a website. That's a fair point. That's if it's point. $48, maybe they'll hold that information back. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe they're just going to see who, who the clientele is. They're going to see you walk in. They're going to be big fans of Candy and Carlin, and maybe you'll get a discount. <laughs> maybe but, they know about this bet. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. I'm guessing And not? that's why
2: they don't want to put the prices on, because they just never know who's going to come in and say, Hey, actually... $6. <laughs> yeah, and for you, $4. Well Actually, done. I'm going there tomorrow night for dinner with friends. So maybe can I can I that- ask a copy for,
1: for a copy of the receipt.
2: No, I'm not. What I'm probably going to do is talk to them a little bit that way when they set it up for us that there will be a limited menu and in, in some of those things that are on the more expensive fixed. some of those things that are on the more expensive side will be, you know, kind of taken off. Taking you don't off have the to do that.
1: I'm not a charity case either.
2: You can- no, I'm talking about if I lose the bet. Oh, that's what I'm not talking about for you. I'm talking about for me. <laughs> I care about my pocket. Now we're not even yours. honoring the,
1: now, yeah, now, see, now I know you feel worse. Exactly. About exactly. <laughs> it's Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio in for Greenie. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, benefits in one of the country's top workplaces, come join their growing team. Go to progressive.com slash careers apply
2: online today. I'd like to say this though. We mm. were talking about which side had more leverage, the Packers or the Jets feels like the Jets are the ones that blink first in this stare down. With even this so, move, it feels like the Jets blinked first. It does. The Jets wanted to give up a fourth rounder. The Packers wanted a first rounder. The Jets let go of a player that they didn't want to let go of. Well,
1: at least I'll admit, if the Jets were hoping to get him for a fourth rounder, they were delusional in thinking that was going to But
2: we happen. were talking about which size had more leverage. Yes. And it feels like, even though... It's close. The Packers had more leverage in this situation, which prompted the Jets to make the trade. we got a little sneaky big news coming up. Did
1: we just get confirmation of who's getting drafted number one overall? You will hear perhaps some evidence in just a moment. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Go to Shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Greenie, the podcast.
1: ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington with us on set and
2: a man of many talents, by the way. Oh yeah,
1: many talents. Did, did you see him I was- on Get Up? I he did. was phenomenal being able to
2: spin. A couch cushion. Yeah, I did not have that on the bingo card. And for this Jeff is a Darlington big couch cushion couch
1: that presumably you guy. have yeah. never picked up before.
3: Yeah. Well, the the real complicated component to this is I have no idea where I acquired this gift. You know, a lot of no, people no idea. A you lot
1: haven't of, worked on this. This is not a thing.
3: I started doing it in like high school. My my uh, a buddy of mine, Doug Bedore, and I would spin these pillows. I sitting there, and and I, I just and, books, and I realized I could spin anything with centrifugal force. So what is It the must walk- be how Spider-Man felt uh, shortly after he got bit by the spider.
2: <laughs> it, it, it must be. It's
1: just uh,
3: unfortunate that I have not figured out a way to harness this ability for something other than being a circus act. What what we, we got to get him
2: in a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. He's got he's to be yeah. a new character.
1: Spin man. <laughs> he's he's got, got spin man. Got, That's right. What can you do? Well, I can spin this couch cushion. That's right. Okay. What What is the largest thing you have ever
3: spun? Uh, you. By the way, this used to be a party trick that would happen only After the hours of say like 2 a.m., right? And it wasn't until did you find it helpful a few years ago? You know what? Chicks that's are, even more chicks, impressive. Chicks aren't into table spinning, like it's not, it just doesn't really that's even resonate. more impressive that he can uh, do it when he's not sober. But no, that was the thing. All my friends know have known this talent about me talent. I they love them, calling the you. I love it. I love it. They've all known that I could do this for years, and then like maybe I don't know, two years ago, I think I like spun something on social media, and everybody's like, wait, 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 wait what? <laughs> yeah. but (laughs) But I was in Austin, Texas on my bachelor party, and it was like 3 a.m., and there was one of those uh, uh, street meat stands kind of set up, and there was like a a card table with the condiments on it to the left of it, and for some reason, I decided to, you know, just completely uh, dismantle the card table pick it up and start spinning it <laughs> to which I to which this great crowd of people assembled and was cheering me on and uh, and the lady came out of the, um, the 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 it was like actually it was like a like a food truckish kind of thing yeah and uh came out and started chasing me down the street so like, <laughs> that is is, is there a video of this that incident? Is, I, I think it was I was a probably, Twelve years ago, so it's probably like pre everything, just pre phone yeah. video. Yeah. yeah,
1: either that or it's very grainy, but it could show up went, on TMZ. Any I'm going to say
3: he was somewhere in the four seven range, but it's forty <laughs> yeah. when he was being you know, chased. <laughs> but you know, you know, like some, like there's plenty of things I would never want like leaked in terms of like vi- you know, like you don't yeah. want so, that would be one thing I'd be like, oh darn, too bad that got out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> you know? Jeff Darlington, ESPN oh NFL gosh. reporter, with us, Candy and Carlin in for Grainy. All right, let's get to some. Actual football. Oh, right. All right, so if yes, you're the Jets... You want to talk
3: more about me? I-
1: well, we will, okay. I mean, because we know it's about you, Jeff. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is with the Jets, have they now, been acquiring this other second-round pick... Would you be comfortable if you're them? Here's the two second-round picks. Let's get it done.
3: I would, but I'm one of these guys who uh, I'm not a very good, uh, back to me, I'm not very good at negotiating. I'll be like, oh, you want $400? Fix my fridge, I'll give you five. So I, I just think get it done and move on, but I understand why the Packers feel like they've got the leverage. I mean, I, everybody keeps talking about who has the most leverage, you know, and I understand that everybody has a little bit, but ultimately the Packers are the team that could drag this thing out until August and, and and without really any decentify, you know, like they're not incentivized right now to, to necessarily trade them. Mm -hmm. They could wait it out, but also you've got to think if you're the Packers, you're like, you know what? Let's get our picks. Let's spend them this year. Let's build around Jordan love and let's move on to me right now. The leverage, if we really look at it, all feels personal. It's like, oh, we're going to make Aaron Rodgers wait a little bit, Uh make sure we get our picks because he said he's the greatest player of our franchise history. You know, like, if they can just get behind beyond that, and I think that they will, I think this happens sooner rather than later in the wake of yesterday's trade. Um, that cool heads will prevail and they'll just move forward.
2: Jeff, if I'm reading this right, what happened yesterday is clearly the Jets moving closer to what the Packers are looking for in terms of compensation. But in looking at the timeline and all of this, do we expect that this is going to play out before the draft, that they're actually going to execute the deal?
3: I would think so. Um, The communication, from what I understand, exists between the Packers and the Jets to the point where, um, yeah, they're being cool about it. It doesn't feel like they're like, you're not getting the quarterback and, unless we get two first-round picks. So, um, again, who has the leverage is one question, but everybody is incentivized. So, to me, after yesterday, once that happened and they were able to get Michael Hardman's, so they've got their slot receiver, maybe they sign Odell Beckham Jr. pretty soon, mm-hmm. one more guy that Aaron would like on the roster, and then they just pull the trigger with the ammo that they have so that, by the way, the Packers can use that ammo in this year's draft.
1: Jeff Darlington with us, ESPN NFL reporter. Uh, as we shift to Lamar Jackson, um, where are we?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a really um, – I wish I could give you a better answer, and it's, it's one of these weird things where I feel like I know enough uh, behind the scenes to to be able to say, like, this is exactly where we are, but there's just not much movement. Yeah, And I guess that's, that's maybe a, a bad sign if you're Lamar Jackson – wanting to create leverage to get that guaranteed contract from the Ravens. Uh, To me right now, it doesn't feel like it's really there. Uh, Things change. Crazy stuff happens. Mm -hmm. You know, Indianapolis is sitting in a position where you'd think they'd want to draft the quarterback, but maybe they say, you know what, we'd rather give up the picks and uh, maybe trade out, you know, to get another first-round pick and then use those two. Yeah, I could see that potentially being on the, on the table. But otherwise, you know, when you go through that list of teams and all of a sudden it's check, 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 not going to happen, it starts to make you think, like, what is Lamar's next play? And I don't know the answer.
2: Jeff, we were talking during the break, and we were both surprised that Ozzy Newsome, former general yeah. manager of the Ravens, and now one of their executive VPs, was so transparent yesterday on the Bernie Kosar show. Take a listen. But, you know, our owner, you know, did say that, you know, that contract did create some problems. Yeah, now, yeah, what well, we have to figure yeah. out, is that going to be the norm or is that an outlier? And we don't know. That's in reference to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and and, and the part that you found interesting was that Ozzie said he didn't know. We don't and, know. And they're in the negotiating room with Lamar Jackson. They don't know if the Watson contract is going to be the outlier or if it's going to be the norm. So what is your take on – what that potentially means for Lamar and what that means for the quarterback market moving forward.
3: What my initial take was, uh, actually, you made a point during the break that uh, I want you to bring up because I'll tell you, my initial inclination was that that means that that's why they put the non-exclusive tag on Lamar, to say, we don't know if this is the norm, go find out. See if someone will give you the guaranteed contract. 31 other teams out there to negotiate, which isn't necessarily an even playing field because it also has to come with two first-round picks. Yeah. And other GMs that I've talked to out there are saying, well, if we offer a contract to Lamar, the Ravens can just go match it. So what's Mm -hmm. the point? But you bring up a good point that maybe it's not about Lamar going and feeling out the market, but rather seeing what Joe Burrow, what Justin Herbert, what those guys get, and if they get the guaranteed contract.
0: Yeah,
2: no doubt. Jalen Hurts is also in that group. These are guys that are first-time contract extension eligible, and I think how they go is going to dictate the future of the quarterback market and – it's going to go a long ways into potentially altering the dynamic between players and owners. Because I, the yeah. NFL owners don't want it to be a situation that the NBA players and NBA owners are in, where it's more of a, a level playing field in terms of a true partnership. Right now, the owners hold more leverage over the NFL players um, than, you know, than, I, than, than in any other major sports league. And so I, I think yeah. that's the part where it becomes tricky And that's why the Ravens aren't in a hurry to affirm the precedent set by the Cleveland Browns, Jimmy Haslam, and that Watson contract.
3: I I guess I'm I'm thinking out loud here because, again, you sort of changed my mind that maybe that's what Ozzie Newsom is talking about here. I would just say, though, Ozzie Newsom and the Ravens have never been like followers in their organizational practices. Like, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty weak move if you're waiting on the Bengals or the Chargers or the Eagles to affirm whether you should pay your quarterback, who's a former MVP, by the way. Like, if it comes to the point where we find that out and I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm like, oh, really? You need that guy mm-hmm. to validate your decision about me? Mm-hmm. So, you know I, I don't know, I don't know what he means by that. I don't know why he would say we don't know whether it's the norm or not. Because very clearly, the way they're acting, they're saying it is the outlier. And we're not going to give you the guarantee. But what that
2: also tells me, Jeff, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, this seems like a situation where both sides are going to be dug in for a while. Yeah. There's I, no resolution that's on the horizon when it comes to the Lamar contract because they're both content letting this all play out. And right, I but have where a hard time imagining how that helps the Baltimore Ravens in terms of getting their football team ready for 2023. Right. But
3: also, how does it help Lamar? I, I don't. I I really, truly don't know how to feel about this because, like Tim Hasselbeck on Get Up, was making really good points from a conventional standpoint. Like, what are Lamar's options? He's got to take the deal, or he's got to play on the thirty-two million dollar tag. And he's probably right with that mindset. Like, Mm. that really are his options right now. That is the detriment of the franchise tag. It's why it was put in place to make it difficult for one player to leave a team that still wants him. Mm -hmm. Does he have to play on the tag? What, what what is his Hold out? Sure, but then he loses a year toward free I mean, holding out le- the last person that we saw do that was Le'Veon Bell. It mm-hmm. didn't work. Yeah. It doesn't well work. He, he got his money. Kinda, did he? He got his, 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 his money. money. <laughs> but but I don't and that's why I'm confused about it, because I'm not necessarily a believer that Lamar will do the conventional. He yeah. never has. Mm-hmm. He's always been this, this man of principle. And this is a really interesting time in the NFL, really a crossroads. When we talk about precedent. If you have a moment where one guy, if you wanted one guy to follow up that guaranteed contract from Deshaun Watson and say, I'm getting it too, if you're another player, you're saying, I want Lamar Jackson at the front of that line because this dude has never cowered to anybody when it comes to what he's supposed to do and what he's going to do.
1: All right, one last one, Jeff. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter with us. Uh, Still a lot of debate right now as to who's going number one, but we know that the Panthers are picking yeah. number one with all the Pro Days this week. What intrigues you about this process right now?
3: That Dave Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, was at Stroud's Pro Day. And I, I would expect to see him maybe at Bryce Young's too. Is that, I mean,
1: yeah, I don't know think. if you've
3: heard that, but you would think if he went to one. Uh, and to me, that says Dave Tepper is making this pick. Like, hmm. you could tell me otherwise, but when your boss is standing over your shoulder, meeting these guys and watching these guys <laughs> and has opinion on these guys, uh, you know Scott Fritter, Fitterer, the general manager of that team, will certainly try to guide Tepper where he wants to go. But if Tepper falls in love with one of these two guys, to me, that's the future of the Carolina Panthers.
1: Wow. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in for Greeny. Jeff, awesome stuff, brother. Thanks, Appreciate guys. Appreciate very much. Any more hidden talents you no,
3: want to tell us about? No, but thanks for letting me talk about me because there's nothing I yeah. enjoy more. <laughs>
1: I can't get Gotta enough love of this me. guy, man. I tell you I respect that. I totally guy. respect that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like responsibility
2: father, and caution to the wind, Jeff yeah. Darlington next. Like my that's father
1: him. used to try to teach me, you know, you know, care about others, all that stuff. No, we never do. understood it.
3: The goal is to to act like you care about others, right? Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. If you can fake it.
3: beautiful. Yeah. my favorite kind of people in this world are people who like me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We love like it. you, Jeff. We no, love you. I appreciate it, I Jeff. like you, too, then. It's Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. One of the most puzzling scenes we have ever seen on an NBA court last night. Very, very interesting and, frankly, just bizarre.
0: legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The tempo, another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, seventeen percent alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: greenie the podcast. Bizarre situation last night in the Mavericks Warriors game. Plus, we
2: got a problem with Jeff passing, or we got to clear it Yeah, up? yeah, we got a big issue with passing. Canty and Carlin, in big for grading. issue.
1: We're in for Grady on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance for a job you'll love. Visit progressive.com/slash/careers. First, what happened last night in Dallas between the Warriors and the Mavericks? In case you missed it, Warriors won one twenty seven one twenty five. Now, end of the third quarter, there is a call where a ball gets knocked out of bounds underneath the basket. The official, right under the basket, turns. Points, says Warriors ball. Then he immediately turns the other way and says timeout Mavericks. But, Canty, in that second, it appeared as if he was changing the call because he pointed Warriors way and then he turned and pointed Mavericks way. Really what he was pointing to say was timeout Mavericks. So the Mavericks go to their huddle.
2: Thinking it's their ball. Well, here's the other part that you're leaving out. The PA announcer also said Mavericks ball. By seeing this, Th- that yes. was announced. Yes. So if you're the official, you're you have I to go clear that have, up. You have the onus to make sure that you clarify what you were doing with the gestures. I wish because there. because yep. on its face, it seemed like he changed the call in real time.
1: So the Mavericks come out of the timeout believing it's their ball. The Warriors come out of the timeout believing it's Warriors' ball. And so they inbound right under the basket, and there are no Mavericks standing around. They're at the other end of the floor waiting for the basketball to bring it up the court. So it's just an easy dunk right away off the inbound. And And remind me how much did the Mavericks lose by last night? Two. Okay. Two. So at one point, Mark Cuban is going over to the table and asking what's going on. Here was Jason Kidd on the entire situation.
2: It wasn't really explained. I think there's a lot of confusion. People were out of position. The court was split. We're on one side and the Warriors on another, and you have a referee on the baseline. Mike was on the baseline, so I would assume Mike thought it was our ball, too. If there's confusion, it's easy to just come in and blow the whistle and and get us restarted. We thought it was our ball. It's easiest, it's it's correctable, um, but you first have to admit there was a mistake. But there wasn't, and so we, we have to continue to keep playing.
1: Here's where the official doesn't think they made a mistake. They said Warriors ball by pointing one way and then pointed timeout Mavericks. And he did it so quickly. That's why the announcer thought Mavericks ball. That's why the confusion came out of it. And kid is 100% right. When the official hears up above, they say Dallas ball. It's his job to come over and clarify that for everybody. I like yeah. when Jason says people, the people are out of position. They're,
2: they're, they're yeah. literally on the other end of the court.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, because
2: after the timeout, if it's your ball, you're taking it out from Mavericks. Exactly. Court. Yeah, exactly. So that it's clear that the Mavericks thought it was their ball. You heard the PA announcer say it was Mavericks' ball. If you're the official, all you have to do is stop play, get the Mavericks back down there, let them know it's Warriors' ball, and then everybody can set up and the game can resume. But to allow that play to happen, that, 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 listen, that's a dereliction of duty. I get it from the letter of the law. Technically, the official wasn't wrong. But when you start to look at the spirit of the game, it's a situation where the officials got to get everybody on the same page. Because there's no way that the Mavericks defense was designed to have everybody else down on one side of the court and let the Warriors have a free dunk. Well, think about this. It's ridiculous. The way Mark Cuban was trying to explain it on Twitter, he said the
1: officials changed their call, which they never did, and that's what he was complaining about, that they never went over to tell them. Where the officials really screwed up was the one official going and and not clarifying that when the announcer uh, said it on the loudspeaker. Here was the pool report, the reporter who asked the question of uh, crew chief Sean Wright. Why was the possession given to the Warriors on that play after it initially signaled to the Mavericks? Initially on the floor, signal was, in fact, Golden State, which it was, if you watch. That can be seen on video. There is also a second signal, but that signal is for a mandatory timeout was due to the Mavericks.
2: And that was a big game, too, because you're talking about the Mavs being in the ninth spot with the loss as opposed to being in the sixth spot right there with the, – like being right there with the Warriors. So I just I, – I don't – that's their planet under protest, by the way. That, they that, filed that, that's 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 egregious. Maybe yeah. not as egregious a call as what we saw from Jeff Passan yesterday, but that was pretty damn bad.
1: Well, let's spend a minute on that.
2: So yesterday,
1: just to let you behind the scenes, and we hadn't talked about it in advance. No, uh, Jeff Passon was scheduled to come on the show at eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. and talk Jeff,
2: WBC. It was yes, a big
1: night for the WBC. Jeff had been in Miami at the WBC, and it was a late night and he was writing an article till very late and so Jeff uh had turned his phone off like the ringer off mm-hmm. and didn't hear it when we called so Jeff did not make it to the show yesterday after the show texted me and said I'm an idiot I I hate it when that happens I I totally understand where that could completely screw up your own show, the whole show. And I said, Jeff, hey, not a big deal. Jeff's been great to us. He's been no absolutely doubt. amazing. No doubt. But then we find out a little well, something well, that's te- troubling te- in, te- in te- relation
2: te- to you. Well, yeah, he texted me yesterday, and you can tell he was contrite, very apologetic, because he missed the, the, the segment that he was going to jump so he texted off you the same thing. you us to me. talk about the WBC.
1: And this was not the first time. That he had texted you about something, No,
2: no. He reached out to me this past fall and talking about the Miami Dolphins and the Tua non-believers and how I was on one side of an argument or a debate on Get Up. And he just wanted to make sure that I knew I wasn't crazy because he agreed with me on my point. And we traded several text Mm. messages about Tua and the Miami Dolphins. And that just let me know, okay jeff passing that's my guy he reached yeah. out to me you know i got him locked in. Got locked in he's got me in. we got now. exactly yeah. that's, we, we got something going on this is where
1: cam comes in and explains what really happened behind the scenes yeah so jeff called me immediately after we finished the show yesterday i think he had more articles to wrap up basically explained that he turned his phone off and he said hey uh i want to send the guys you know an apology like i feel bad about this and like you guys said jeff's great so he's like hey i have carlin's number can you send me canty's number Uh, i don't have it so i I need to text him
2: what you mean you ain't got my number bro you hit my phone this past fall it was football season you hollered at me how you ain't got me locked in jeff oh
1: hang on what what,
2: what part of the game is that big fella you got your number yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't have mine. Even though he texted me this past fall, even he's got, got Cam's number egregious. too. He's wow.
1: Got, even I would say that's egregious. Wow. So you this relationship that you thought you had, you I clearly, thought me and Jeff were cool. And hey, here's
2: the thing: we traded several texts yesterday talking about the WBC. Yeah, and then he deleted your number. Uh, I, apparently, <laughs> didn't think at enough least, of me. To, I, he didn't think enough of me to keep my number locked. At in. the very
1: least, you didn't text him, and you got back the who this <laughs>
0: For listening to Greeny the podcast, you can listen live each weekday morning at ten Eastern on ESPN Radio, or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also, catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcast.